And I don't think people realize like sexual assault also happens in relationships. Um, and it happens with people they know, it happens with friends, somebody that they've trusted. So it is a huge problem and it definitely happens here in small, a small community. So it's happening everywhere. Hello, my gorgeous, confident queens, kings, and monarchs out there. This is your confident mama out here ready for season two of getting to share some incredible interviews to help us all live our best, most confident lives as parents, partners, and business owners. Let's get going. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no problem. Uh, She and I were just talking before we hopped on. We both work in the nonprofit sector and have known each other for a little bit. So it's always nice to like, you know, actually get to see a face of a person that I've been talking to for a little bit. So yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. Um, Do you want to just start out by introducing yourself and a little bit about you and the work that you do too? Yeah, so my name's Amy Hafner. Um, I am with Albany County Safe Project, and we are the Domestic Violence Sexual Assault Stalking Program here in Laramie. Um, my specific title is Prevention and Outreach Coordinator, um, but I'm also an advocate as well. And I'm, I don't know if it matters. I'm here, I'm from Laramie, Wyoming. So been here for quite a while. Um, so I feel like I'm pretty familiar with places in the community. Definitely. Well, and you're also a wife and a mom to two gorgeous little kids. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm always busy between the kids and um, being here at Safe Project. So <laughs> There's never a dull moment in life. <laughs> That's how it goes for all working moms, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely, for sure. Well, um, so I guess my first question for you is, like, how did you get started with Safe Project, and why is the work that they do, like, so important to you? That's a really good question. So, um, actually, several years ago, I had my own um, situation and it was a stalking situation, um, but I would say it stemmed from some domestic violence stuff. Um, and I didn't know anything about Safe Project, um, but I was working with an attorney um, on just some uh, legal things, and he suggested a protection order. And I was like, I have no idea, you know, what that is. Also, I'd had to call law enforcement several times, um, and eventually they talked to me about protection orders. Um, So finally, I reached out to Safe Project, and I met with an advocate, and I got help from them. Um, I felt like my time with them was very brief and short, and I think that was because I felt embarrassment um, about having to work with a program, and it felt very shameful, I guess, to be doing that. Um, And once I was out of the situation, I was able to see things a lot different. um, And I realized that I probably should have leaned on them for more support. And I probably didn't need to be blaming myself. 
um, for what had happened. And there was no, nobody there was there to shame me. Um, and so I went to the University of Wyoming and I got my degree in family and consumer sciences. And I decided that I really wanted to look into doing an internship with SAFE Project because of me having that experience and me wishing that I would have taken more advantage of the help that they were there to provide me. Um, and so I did an internship with SAFE Project and it really, I think because of my experience and then um, just being able to help other people in the situation um, and also sometimes being able to say to them like, I understand how you feel about that and I completely get that you're embarrassed, but I want to help you. Um, it just meant a lot to me. And so it works out too. I have an, um, a background of working with kids and I actually have my endorsement in early childhood education. And so as I was finishing up my um, internship with Safe Project, I um, the prevention position opened. And so I also get to go around um, and work with all the kiddos here in Albany County. So I feel like both things were just perfect for me. And um, I just feel really passionate because of my, my own personal experience. Yeah, that's crazy. I had no idea that that was like kind of how you got into it. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the things that we always talk about on this podcast is like, being able to take those personal experiences and turn them into like a business or a mm -hmm. career or something because when we're most passionate about something like it shows up in our work and so I definitely can tell that you're passionate about what you do yeah well thank you and I will also say um there are many survivors who either have or um, in the past have worked uh, safe project and it is typically something that it is an experience that usually drives somebody to want to do this work um, and I did forget to mention before I did the internship I did volunteer and we do they do a 40-hour um, advocacy training and so we I helped staff the hotline um, but yeah, it is very common for people to come into this field because of a past experience. And I think you're right. It is nice to have such a terrible situation that can be turned into something more positive. Um, and I also just feel like my experience, I'm not saying I can relate to every single situation in person, but I do think it helps me to be able to understand what they're what they're going through a little bit. Absolutely, which is all what we we want and we need, especially when we're in that situation. We want somebody there that understands like at a greater level and you don't necessarily understand like that unless you've been through something exactly or the same, so. Yeah, definitely, very true. Well, and that's kind of why I asked Amy on the podcast today she and I kind of had a short talk about this um but as most of you guys know I am recently divorced and uh was trying to hop back into the uh dating game and um I had my own experience of uh rape 
while I was on a quote unquote date with somebody. So I do, you guys know, I am always open about talking about my own experiences. And I think that there's always greater learning that can come from them, so. Yeah, well, I'm, and I'm really sorry to hear that. I know you shared a little bit of that with me and it just makes me so sad that anybody has to go through that. And I'm sure that that, made the recent divorce situation even harder because like now who are you going to trust you know like I just it's it's really unfortunate that happened right when you're trying to move on and heal and now you've had to add that trauma into it so I'm I'm really sorry that happened to you it's okay I I appreciate that yeah it definitely um has impacted the way I'm going about dating, that's for sure. I'm sure it has. And I feel like, unfortunately, it's not an uncommon occurrence. And I'm sure you know more about like just how common this stuff is because you work in it every day, but. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, so the statistics with um, rape and sexual assault are, I mean, even, I think people sometimes think about it when we're in a small community, they're like, this is safe. This doesn't happen. Um, and I will say that is not true at all. So, um, we have a campus advocate who just works with students and that would be students at the university of Wyoming, LCCC and WyoTech. And, um, she's the only advocate there. Um, and she, I think the past year, I'm sorry, I didn't look at exact statistics, but I believe it was 400, 460-ish um, people. And majority of those are sexual assaults. And, um, you know, like, I think sometimes think about how, or I think people think that sexual assaults are mostly just random people, um, but that's not always true. And a lot of it, it is usually happening within a relationship or um, somebody that they know, or like how, you know, you went out on the date. Um, and I don't think people realize like sexual assault also happens in relationships. Um, and it happens with people they know, it happens with friends, somebody that they've trusted. So it is a huge problem and it definitely happens here in small, a small community. So it's happening everywhere. Absolutely. Well, and I definitely think, um, that's one of the things is like a, a lot of, um, them are also going unreported. Mm -hmm. I know like, so I was also sexually assaulted, um, when I was 17, um, by a very close friend or somebody mm -hmm. I thought was my friend, you know, kind of thing. And I never reported it um, because there's so much like shame wrapped around it and so much victim blaming. And you're like, oh, maybe I led them on because we were going on a date. Maybe he thought that that was okay. Or mm -hmm. because we're in a relationship, I can't really say no or any of those types of things. Exactly. Yeah. And it, they do go unreported so often for all of the reasons that you just said, 
Um, it's really sad, but I feel like one of the first questions that survivors are asked um, by anybody that they disclose this to is like, well, were you drinking? Um, what were you wearing? I've even seen that, um, you know, within court. And that's just like, people are like, I'm, this is why I don't say anything. I'm not going to be told that this was my fault. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of people aren't even reporting. So those are just numbers of people we've worked with who are reporting things. I can't even imagine the people we don't even know about. Yeah. What are some of the most common, like, I guess, misconceptions or anything about that that people have? Um, like, I know, so one of my, like, I guess, misconceptions was like, if you go and take a shower, like, after it happens, which, let's be honest, a lot of us do, because you want to, like, get them off of you in every single way possible, right? Yeah. Um, that, that you can't go and, like, get a rape kit done but they can definitely still do it. Yeah. So that, that's a really good point to bring up. Um, you know, that's what I think people hear all the time. Well, like I showered and so I can't, but we, um, so we have, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. There's a SANE program at Ivinson hospital. And so it is, um, sexual assault nurses. And so they are specifically trained in sexual assaults and domestic violence. And we've talked to them, you know, extensively. And obviously, the sooner you go in to get the rape kit done, the better. But they have said, like, even they can even go a week later, not saying that they're going to find anything, um, but they could potentially look for injury. Um, and they said, like, everybody heals differently um, at different times and really just dependent on the injury, like that there could still be injuries that are trying to heal. And so even with that, they can document that. Um, and you can choose to report a sexual assault at any time. It could have happened 10 years ago. Um, and so I think people do think, well, that happened forever ago. There's not going to be any proof. There's not going to be anything they can do about it. And that's not necessarily true. Um, they can at least open an investigation and look into it. And like I said, the SANE nurses could potentially find something to document. Um, we have recently at Safe Project, we've worked with law enforcement um, where we can have um, survivors either of sexual assault or domestic violence. They can do something that's called a non-investigative report. And we typically, um, we'll call law enforcement to come to our office and meet with us and our client, um, and they can give them all the information that they would like about something that has happened to them. Um, they can give as little or as much as they want, and they can tell them that they don't want this to move forward, but they want this to be documented. Heard um, somewhere? Yep. Yep. It's on record, and then that way, if this, you know, they start seeing a trail with this person, they at least know that. And also this person can at any point decide that they want to move forward and they can call and say, like, I've decided I want this to be an investigation now. Um, and so that's something that a lot of people don't know. Um, it's pretty recent that within the last couple of years that we started doing. Um, so yeah, definitely those are some of the things I think are the biggest misconceptions as far as sexual assault goes. Well, and I was gonna say, 
so during my experience, um, like I feel like most people think like you have to like call 911 or whatever to like have it reported or whatever. But I just I ended up driving myself to the hospital right after. Um, and the guy was a professional fighter out of Denver and to be honest, kind of beat the shit out of me. Um, oh and so I had the same nurse come in and do my full kit and took pictures of all of my injuries, everything like that. Um, she was so wonderful to work with, like yeah. so willing to work with me on the timing of things. Like if I didn't want to be touched, she wasn't going to touch me. Like she did everything that she possibly could to make me feel comfortable. And then she was the one who actually called law enforcement and had them come over um, and gave them all of my clothes, all of my goodies. Um, we we sat there and had like a small conversation and then they went to my house to get the rest of the evidence and everything like that. Um, they were also wonderful to work with and um, have been like super communicative with me over the entire process, which has been okay. super yeah. helpful. But with I'm the, really glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, and like you said, with the injuries and stuff, they took pictures while I was in the hospital then, but they mm -hmm. also took pictures when I went to a follow-up, like more in-depth interview, um, like four or five days later, because the injuries had changed, more had shown up and everything like that. So yeah. I'm yeah, and the SANE nurses are great. Um, we work closely with the SANE program. Um, and I was also going to say they typically do um, call us when they have a, somebody in the emergency room or whatever floor they're on um, who has experienced sexual assault or domestic violence and even stalking. That's just not super common that people go to the hospital for. Um, but we can, not everybody wants this, but we can sit through an exam with somebody. Um, we can even just, if they just want to kind of know what that's going to look like, we can just talk them through that before. We can also sit with people through their um, forensic interviews with the police. Um, at any point in time through any of this, it, we you can have an advocate with you. And that's a, a big piece of what we do at Safe Project. Um, but the same nurses are a huge blessing to have at the hospital because they are specifically trained in that and so I'm really glad to hear that they were so good to you as well oh they were definitely well, and law enforcement is also um they come in and do training with us when they get new officers and I think that us having that relationship with them has really helped um survivors as well yeah I would agree. Like I said, my, my experience was really good. Like even in my like longer secondary interview with them, it was interesting. They focused more on how I was feeling throughout like the entire process of things. So if I was feeling like things were okay at that moment, or if I feel like things had gone too far, or if I, you know, like it was more about the feelings rather than just the actions that were going on in that moment, which I think is super important because consent can change throughout yeah. a period of time too. Yeah, definitely. I'm really glad to hear that as well because that's a, 
a really good point. And I work with a lot of teenagers in the schools. And so that's one of the things we always talk about, like consent, you can change that at any time. Um, and if that has been taken back, then that is when you need to stop. And um, I don't think a lot of, you know, it's hard for teenagers, especially to really think about that. And I think sometimes just people are like, well, I said yes in the beginning. And so it's my fault and that's not true. So, yeah. yeah. So um, what resources are available like through you guys and through other like agencies that you know of for those who have been through like a sexual assault? Yeah, so with us, um, we offer, um, we have a 24 hour um, hotline. And so people can call us at any time. They can call if they just have questions, whatever it is they might need. We also have a shelter. And so we can um, shelter people for up to eight weeks. I will say a lot of the people that we shelter, I wouldn't necessarily say have experienced um, just sexual assault. A lot of it's domestic violence, but with that, there's been you know some sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Um, but we can give anybody who qualifies for this, our services, a safe place to stay. Um, our services are all free and confidential as long as you qualify and you qualify if you are a survivor of domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking. Um, we can help people with, we have our own financial aid, um, and there's many things we can help pay for. So if people have bills that are related to their victimization, if they have um, a car that needs repaired and that is crucial to them making it to work every single day, um, if they need a bus ticket to flee from here, if they need groceries, if they need a phone, um, we can help pay for all of those things. We can also um, help get, we can help with paperwork to get them an attorney through the coalition. Um, and we can make referrals for, um, like counseling, but I'm sure as you probably know, it feels like everywhere is we need more mental health providers right now and they're suffering. And so we do our best to try to get them with a therapist if that's where they need to go. And again, if it's something that they can't afford, we can potentially help pay for some sessions. Um, and then, as I mentioned, we, um, can, we can go to the hospital, we can go to interviews with people. We do have protection orders in our office. Um, there's a domestic violence protection order, a sexual assault protection order, and a stalking one. And we can, have, we can help people fill those out, go with them to file them, and then go to their hearing with them. Um, so if we can't help somebody, um, we almost always are able to find resources as to what we can do. So for example, say somebody, um, they don't necessarily belong in shelter because they're not in immediate danger, but we know that they are experiencing homelessness because of victimization. Um, we can refer them to like interfaith or family promise if they have children, um, things like that. So we will almost always provide resources if we're not able to help somebody ourselves. 
That's awesome. I love that you guys have so many different resources available. Yeah. I was going to say too, um, I know, and it may not be everywhere, but at least in the state of Wyoming, through my experience, um, I was given a victim's advocate and she has called me like a couple times just with like updates about my case, updates about the resources available to me. And mm -hmm. I know there's some programs here in Wyoming. So there's one that helps pay for basically any costs associated to what happened. So all of yeah. the evidence that they took from my house, like I can um, apply to get reimbursed for that to like replace all of my stuff. Um, my mental health stuff, obviously, mm -hmm. but also like my physical health, my doctor's appointments and follow up mm -hmm. and stuff that I had to do. Um, all of that stuff, I can basically apply and then I'll be reimbursed for it. And then as he goes through the system, um, mm -hmm. once he's charged with everything, he has to pay all of that back into the system. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and so that's probably um, victim's compensation. Mm -hmm. And we that's something else too. We can always help people fill out those things because sometimes I'm sure that you know, like you're given all of these tasks at once and you're like, where do I even start? And I think that's what's really helpful about having an advocate because you're, we can just go through things step by step. And also there's times where we know that this is just too overwhelming. So we can make some of the phone calls for you, or we can just do some, send in some of the paperwork for you. So, yeah, I agree. It's very overwhelming when you're like trying to process everything that's happened, where, where like you're at within like the case now, if you do have a case going and like mm -hmm. trying to like file all the paperwork and do all the stuff. So it can be overwhelming. For sure. Yeah. One of the other things that I found is the the Vine app. Yes, good point to bring that up. That one, yeah, I think that's super cool. Yeah, so there is a Vine app, um, and that is so basically it can track anybody who is in jail, um, and we often help our clients get that set up. So if when their perpetrator. Um, is released from jail they're notified on vine and honestly anybody can look it up at any time but you can sign up for the alert for that specific person so that you know that that person has been released which is super helpful because at that point people know like i need to do some extra safety planning mm -hmm. um whatever that might look like and so it is do you want me to give the actual website of it or do you want? Yeah, that would be great. I think it's like, and while she's looking that up, I was going to say, so I have the notifications um, for my perpetrator on my phone and stuff. And I am also able to like get on there and look and just double check that he's still in jail at any point in time, just to ease my own mind. Um, but uh, the other thing is, so he is based out of Denver and he left. And so they had to go and get him in Denver. So he is in a Colorado jail. So the other thing is when he gets his extradition hearing to Wyoming, which is actually today. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So if they choose to extradite him from Colorado to Wyoming today, I will get a notification that he's been transferred. Um, which uh, too. that's awesome I didn't know that so I'm glad that you shared that with me 
Um, and so the it's just Vine, V-I-N-E, link, L-I-N-K dot com. Um, and it's pretty self-explanatory once you go there. There's a number though, if anybody ever needs help with that, but it is a great tool to have. Um, and I didn't know that they can even um, notify you about those things. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's super nice. So, well, that's awesome. I'm so glad that we have like those resources available through Safe Project, through other projects in different areas and like the state programs and stuff that they have running now. But I really do help, hope that um, if you have been through this or you know somebody who's been through something like this, you now have the resources available to help you get through it. Yeah, definitely. And there is a national hotline that people can call. I should give that number and they can um, direct you to the closest program to you. The hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. And there is a national um, sexual assault hotline, which is one 800 656 Four six seven three. Um, either of those can get you to where you need to go, and um, we get people. We get people who've called through that hotline all the time. So, perfect. Yeah. And what is your guys's the easiest way to reach you guys directly? Yep. So our hotline is three zero seven seven four five three five five six, and that would be the easiest number to give out because it's answered twenty four seven. So. If anybody ever needs us or has a question, um, concern about somebody else who's maybe going through this, please feel free to reach out to us and we are always here to help people. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amy. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Y'all, wasn't that just incredible? Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.